Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Okay, welcome back to Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here with Mercer as always. And today we're going to be talking about buying your time back as a business owner. Now, this is a topic that I really, I sort of shortlisted for the podcast because I just finished, or I'm actually about halfway through a book called Buying Your Time Back by Dan Martell. And I thought it'd be an interesting topic for the podcast as to some levers we can pull as business owners in order to get our time back and maybe what we'll fill the time with once we have it. And so Mercer, let's uh, let's start by defining the idea of buying your time back. So when I say buying your time back, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's when you're a freelancer, you're starting out and and you're sort of like, I'm done with my corporate job and I'm going to I'm going to just do this one thing and make a lot more money and specialize. And then you start realizing you have to do the books and figure out where the expenses and profit is. And then you have to figure out like how to work with all the technical equipment that maybe you had an IT department before, you know, to, to get help. And now you're learning all this stuff in this new software. And then you dive into, okay, actually doing your work and getting bigger clients. And now you've got to, you know, you're getting gummed up because maybe you're working 12 hours a day, which by the way, my favorite entrepreneurial joke ever is you get to be an entrepreneur, you get to pick half days, you get to work any 12 hours you want. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but but that's exactly what the point of this is, is you get to this point where you are working 12 hour days. And now you realize like, I've just trapped myself in this job, except instead of one job, I've got 40 of them to keep this thing going. So how do I release myself from that? In other words, buy your time back. And that's how I kind of think about that. How about you? Yeah, I think it's very similar. Basically, at some point in the entrepreneurial journey, you get to be discontent um, with with all the things you have to do, some of the things you like doing, some of the things you don't like doing. And we know that we need to hire people eventually or or implement process, and but we don't know what to do and in what order to do it and what the effects are going to be. And so I wanted to you know talk about this idea and then see you know what are the strat like the overarching strategies behind why we'd want to buy our time back and what the result's going to be. And so when I think about strategies, I think about things like buying your time back on a product perspective, buying your time back on an operations perspective, buying your time back from a marketing perspective, buying it from a finance perspective. So I actually almost look at it as from a strategic perspective, you're going to do different strategies for different roles in the business. But let's just say, um, you know, buying back the time of a C-suite or buying back all the different C-suite positions are different methods you can use in order for your business to thrive. And the, the reason why you want to do it and why I like to look at it at that categorical level is because those positions are more easily defined than just saying like, I want my time back. Um, so it's a little, giving a little bit more of a there's traditional roles in each of those different areas. And generally speaking, somebody else who's been in that role for a long time will be better at 100% of their time than at you at 5% of your time during those extra the last four hours of your 12 hour day, right? So, so I think can that- I, Can yeah. I clarify that? Yeah, so sure. when, what you're saying is like, start with the C, are you saying re replace out like the C-level suite first? No, I, 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 sh I should clarify that. So I'm, I'm saying that you should- if, if you categorize the strategy for buying back your time, I would say do it by a category at a time. So if that's my, so from a strategic perspective, I might say I want to replace marketing and then define that deep dive on it and get marketing buy your time back that you were spending marketing into a dedicated role. Then you might want to replace 
um, finance be, and then put that in there. So you were mentioning a bookkeeper or doing your own books when you start out and things like that. So you sort of cherry picking by category of, of things that you do or don't want to do and then and then filling that role and getting the result that you're looking for. So maybe I, I was trying to keep it high level as saying I look at the strategy as cherry picking one category at a time and getting that off of your plate and then moving on to the next one, as opposed to um, maybe just saying, I need a number two in my business. I'm going to hire somebody who does everything that I do just a little bit cheaper. Okay. So that's, 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 that's what I mean. That, that is a path that a lot of people take, right? It's like, oh, let me go find a partner who balances me. And then everybody jumps in the partnerships and they kind of blow up a lot of organizations. Yeah. Probably because of that, because they're, they want a, a, somebody who's like a generalist in a way, but kind of on the other side of the company that needs help, but they yep. are not maybe being specifically uh, set up for a success because they're not being focused on what actually needs to be done in the company. Yeah. Like a lot of people idea. do that. I mean, I've seen that happen so many times in the people that I coach is that they have two business partners and they have the same skills. <laughs> I think that when you have a business partner, when you, when you have somebody that you're, that you're working with, you want to have complementary skills, some overlap, but not a lot of overlap. You want to actually have skills that you don't have to make the company stronger. And so, yeah, so that's what I mean from a strategic perspective is, really just thinking about how would you go about this? So how would you go about deciding what buying your time back would be? Would you look at it at a, at a macro level? Would you look at it at, at for one role at a time? How would you go about it? I think for me, it's interesting because I, I like your concept of the idea of finishing out uh, by, by category, right? I like that idea, but I haven't done that. Um, what I've done is kind of listing out the day-to-day -day, kind of doing like a time log, right? Like here's the stuff I spend my day on and let's pretend we're going back into that freelancer mode and here's how I spend my 12 hours in you know, my half days. And so I'm going through and I'm writing down all the stuff that I'm sort of doing. And then I'm looking at that saying, okay, which stuff actually energizes me? The stuff that I actually enjoy doing and which stuff do I go like, uh, like, okay, time to do the books now. Like I'll give you a perfect, a perfect use case for this, exactly how we did this. So I was, um, in charge of invoicing for clients years ago, right? Our high ticket clients, we have invoices, they pay us through wire transfers and everything else and all that stuff. And there was a point in the beginning, in the beginning, my little entrepreneurial brain was like, oh, we get to figure out how to do invoices with QuickBooks, blah, 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 blah. And I really enjoyed that. And then it very quickly moved into a standard process that you just rinse and repeat and didn't need any more creativity or problem solving. And the routineness of that drained me literally to the point where I am not sending invoices to clients on time, not because I can't do it, just because I'm like, oh, I'm gonna send invoices, that's right. And it's a bunch of money, like literally, it's entrepreneurs, yeah. like you gotta get that money in. So that was one of the first things that I farmed out. I was like, I cannot be the one who's stopping the company from, you know, I'm hurting my own cash flow. This is literally what I was doing years ago, hurting my own cash flow because they didn't have somebody just did that and didn't care. Like they just sent the, like, you know, they don't have an emotional connection to the invoices. And I totally did at that point. It was, it was really draining, still is. So they, they took that over and it was like, oh, there's one thing. And the, the mental energy that that released was 10x what that little task cost, right? Just the me going, oh, I got to do this. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. I know better than this. And all the other self-talk that goes on was literally being triggered by this me not sending invoices. So I replaced out that specific thing um, in that part. And then we moved into eventually doing, you know, bookkeeping and everything else that's going on. So, yeah, I like that. I, and I think that that's definitely, I, mean, I think they both work hand in hand. Um, one is solving for your pain and, and the other one is solving for your future, right. Or your struggle. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely 
what you said about the invoices resonates with me, both at my agency, um, the you know founder of the company sending invoices, it bottlenecks everything and makes everybody unhappy and it makes them unhappy. Easy thing to offload. And then even I've talked, I've coached a lot of people and I'd say at least half the people that I've talked to are still, you know, that, that are at a certain stage, send their own invoices and it's their sign of misery. They're like, oh, the client, did I really earn that this month? And it's like, do you have a contract? Do you have, are they paying you? You know, like, don't worry about it. Like I've, I've talked to people who haven't sent invoices for three to six months. And I was like, that's worse. To oh, it's a lot worse. Oh yeah. Could you imagine being the client and getting six months of invoices all of a sudden? And remember, they're also running their businesses probably in the best fashion. They yep. probably don't have all that cash. They're not just sitting there going, oh, well, eventually they're going to want to get paid. They're yep. spending their money on Facebook ads. They're spending <laughs> your money on Facebook ads, yep. right? So yeah, that's, well, that's it, fascinating. Fortunately, I didn't get that bad, but I was definitely like, you know, I was getting to the point where I was like weeks late, which wasn't great. Yeah, and that's yeah. when I flipped it out. Well, and it's such a it's such a low risk, high reward activity to do, and that's that's let's let's get into some tactics around this because I think that's that's a good example of one that you can easily buy your time back. So I I had something similar. So my books, my wife was doing the books, and then we had a kid, and it became pr from priority number one or two for her to priority number you know way down the line, <laughs> right. and and it, and it was just like I was it was frustrating me. I was like, this is not. Like, how do I talk to her about that? How do we, you know, do I want? And so I found a bookkeeping service and they've been amazing. And, and, and they started with catching the books up. Then they started, then they had an invoicing service they could use. And then they had a um, payroll service that I could use. Then they had a pay contractor service that I could use and they're handling everything. So I don't even have like the first of the month that I get invoices from contractors when I need to run payroll. It just happens. I don't even need to worry about it. And it's like, it's such a relief. Like that was the most stressful part of my, my week as well, or my month was when I get the invoices and I'd be like, man, this is like, you know, you just don't want to have to deal with that stuff. So that was an easy example of a replacement for less than a thousand dollars a month. I got myself $10,000 in satisfaction. I think that so, so, the, so there's some easy 10 Xers that are out there. Um, any examples of like, a, uh, we, so we talked about finances a little bit here and I think that's, that's pretty a common one, but any other 10 X offloading things that you did both satisfaction or time back? Yeah, hundred percent. So, and just, just to touch base on the bookkeeper, like you're talking about less than a thousand, cause I was going to ask you like, how much is it costing you for all of that? Like our bookkeeper doesn't do that stuff. We still retain like payroll. We still mm -hmm. do that. And that, that is because my wife handles this, right? Yeah. She actually handles the invoicing too. Mm -hmm. um, cause she, she's really good at that stuff and she wants the money, which is great. <laughs> um, so, so she's got that and our bookkeeper stuff, which all the, you know, QuickBooks, everything else, and, and make sure the reports are up for the account. It's like a few hundred bucks a month. So it, it doesn't require a lot. I think a lot of times in the beginning, that's what I was thinking, like, oh, a bookkeeper is going to cost me $3,000 a month and not not getting that quoted out. And then as soon as you get it quoted out, you're like, what am I doing for, you know, two to 300 bucks done, right? Um, so on that note, going back to your question, like, where else have we done this? Video editing. We do a lot of teaching. We do a lot of that. And so I was back in the day learning, uh, what was it? It was, I tried, you know, Microsoft's video editor very quickly fell out of that, moved into uh, way back in the day, if you remember Sony Vegas, Mm -hmm. Um, yep. so Sony had Vegas movie studios or, and so we were doing in that and we moved into Camtasia eventually, but back in the Sony Vegas days, it was like, okay, this is really cool. I can, I can, you know, edit this and it was fun again. Cause I get to be an entrepreneur. Hey, I'm learning new tools. This is awesome. And then pretty quickly you're like, this is the same old stuff over and over again. It's the routine. I've I got, I'm doing a lot of content, but I'm not getting those videos edited. And if they don't get edited again, on the bottleneck. So it's something that is bottlenecking the organization, even as tiny as it was back then, um, bottlenecking the or organization because I won't do it, right? Not that I can't, 
It's just, I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to, I've sort of falling out of love with that piece. And maybe I need to spend more time creating the actual content. So we went to uh, the Philippines and hired one of our first outsourcers back in the day to edit videos. And that's all he did was just, and to this day, he's been with us. He just celebrated his 11 year uh, anniversary with us. So, um, or sorry, 10 years, 10 year anniversary with us. So it's been, it's been amazing um, how well that has worked. And he's been improving his skills as he goes and doing different platforms and now helps us to basically do anything multimedia that needs to be edited. He handles um, at a phenomenal rate. And I just, I don't, it don't worry. I cannot emphasize enough for anybody listening to this. We're going, you know, well, I'm still doing this because I can't afford it. I'm like, I, some of it's like you can't afford not to. I hate to use that cliche phrase, but the mental energy that video editing was taking up in my head was worth thousands of dollars a month to me, right? At, the, at a certain point. Fortunately, because of the Philippines, it wasn't that much, right? But I got that benefit, that emotional benefit of all that, like, oh, I don't have that spinning plate to keep going anymore. Somebody else is doing that. And they're better at it because they enjoy it more, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that mental energy is the biggest release. And that's why I think it's not, it's not just your time, but it's, it's, it is, let me, let me rephrase. It is your time, you know, physical time of how much time you're spending doing these things that maybe you shouldn't be doing, but it's that mental time that I dramatically underestimated that mental time payoff because I'm, you know, even if I'm sitting there hanging out with my wife at dinner, I'm thinking about the video I got to be editing and should be editing. And why, why can't I do that? And I'm really bad because I should be doing the simple stuff. And how come, you know what? I have no discipline as an entrepreneur. How come I can't? And then you go through this whole, and it's all that stuff that gets pushed into your subconscious that starts affecting your sleep patterns. And it's it sounds stupid, but when you have a million of those little tiny things, that you haven't offloaded, that's what happens. And you get, you end up just getting, you sort of just start to power down. And I think, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people and, and underestimating that if knowing what I know now about how much mental energy that I'm buying back, that mental time that I'm buying back, that's what makes the whole thing worth it for me. I love that. And, and that was definitely my, I think one of the first ever things that I hired out as well. So that was a really a big one for me. Um, video editor, similar situation. Everything you said is applicable. I like to hold on to, or I held on to it for an entire course because I wanted to edit it and hear myself, hear about my speech patterns, my the, the, some of the dumb things that I've done. It made me better to edit myself for the first course, but yep. you're not going to have that benefit of getting better on the mic, editing yourself or on the video, doing it the 50th time, right? Eventually you have yeah. to hand that over and it's an easy one to do. It's a discrete type of task. Like you can go on to Fiverr or Upwork and find a thousand people with that role. And so that's something that I would say is buying your time back with, with roles that are well-defined is very important, right? So another one for me uh, that I gave away that, that is, saved a lot of time and effort is website stuff. So I came up as a website developer. I have a computer science degree. That was sort of my background. I loved, I, I've actually maintained WordPress sites for people. I, you know, that was money getting money freelancing while I was building out my education business. That was my way of doing things. And so I sort of did that and held on to it pretty tight for our company. And it became a huge bottleneck for the business. It was a huge source of dissatisfaction for me. And eventually I, I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be involved with this. This is not something that I want to have anything to do with. And that was a big thing for me as well to, to focus in that area. And that was a huge game changer in order to get to that point where I was not doing website design. So I went to an all-in-one platform. We use page builders. We do a lot of things that I had never imagined doing before. And um, 
the results are better and the team doesn't isn't resentful of the bottleneck of what's going on. So that's been a big yeah. one for me is um, is offloading website design. Another thing that I offloaded very recently was my scheduling. So I, I hired an executive assistant and and she's done a lot for me. She doesn't do any I don't do any emails to schedule time. We meet once a day and she does the scheduling for me. Um, uh, so that's been a big one. And then in addition with her, we, you know, she does all the scheduling. She does all the requests for my time. So if I need to get something reviewed, um, somebody has to submit a form internally in order for a review to happen. And that's been a big one. And so people are, they're able to lock in my time and guarantee that I'll review their work, but it's, but it's on a calendar as opposed to just like a Slack message saying, Hey, can you review this thing really quick? So we have an anticipation of maybe multiple weeks ahead, as opposed to being a couple of days ahead, like we were before. And so those are some things that we've been doing that have definitely, um, you know, just the entire idea of an assistant has changed a lot of things, even personal research projects and everything like that. I love that idea. And I, honestly, I, I want I like that as a topic because um, I would love to talk to you more about the the EA side of things, right? That executive assistant uh, type role, somebody to check your emails because I will not let that go. And I have hundreds of emails, like it's happening again. As I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, you're doing the same thing. I have this mental thing going on with, I haven't gotten back to everybody I need to get back to. And I'm telling myself the story of, I do have hundreds, which is true. I get an overwhelming amount of emails um, precisely because I'm not on all the social media networks answering all the DMs over there too. It's like, hey, come through email like that's how you reach me yeah. um and so i get flooded with that i want to respond to people but i just run out of time um with certain things and and maybe i'm responding to the wrong things and have somebody go through there and and um help out with that would be something that i could i could definitely use some help with so i love that for a for a full topic to figure because i know i have a mental block i don't want somebody reading my emails yeah. I know I do. And so I, I want to definitely do a deeper dive in that on a future topic. Um, but I want to go back to something that I think you you had mentioned about, we sort of just glanced over, but I think it's super important because I've also seen this mistake where what you've said consistently, I was writing it down. I'm like, oh, there's a pattern here. I can see what he's doing. It's like, I learned how to edit videos and I did too, right? I learned how to edit videos and I understood how I could record the video in a way that made it easier for me to edit, right? So I understood how an editor thinks a little bit, what the editor might need. Then when I give it to a specialist, right, they're getting it at a higher level. They, they don't have to train me on how to, you know, put in the little marks, make it easier to edit and faster and all the other stuff and all the notes. So I sort of already have a system defined because I understand editing, right? Uh, when I was doing the invoices, I understood invoicing. It wasn't that I didn't understand how it works. It wasn't that I didn't know the systems. It was just that I wasn't doing the work anymore. Uh, but I understood it, right? When I did QuickBooks in the beginning, I understood it. I understood how it worked and then give it to the bookkeeper. And eventually they're doing that and, and pulling everything in. And that's what you've been doing. You, you understood how something worked and then you gave it. Not You didn't have to be an expert in it, but you understood it. What I see a lot of um, individuals sometimes making a mistake on is the opposite. They don't understand it. So they go, well, I don't understand this. I'm going to hire an expert. And they hire their bookkeeper without understanding how bookkeeping works. They hire their video editor because like, well, I got, I got a little extra money because it's, you know, I saved up a bunch. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe you're, you do have some good cash flow, which is great, but they hire their video editor without understanding how, how editing works. So now the video editor is trying to help them and they can't, and there's, and there's, they ends up being a lot of clashing going on and unnecessary, um, I think an onboarding for some certain roles, or I guess technically offboarding in that case, because you don't understand it, because you've never done it and you're doing it maybe too fast in that way. Like, and that's not to say that 
you know, the, the, I think about the CEO of Ford when I'm talking about, does the CEO of Ford know how to, you know, make one of those robots do something? Probably not. He doesn't actually have to understand everything in the company, but you do have to understand things that you're offloading to somebody. The CEO of Ford has, is never trying to offload that. They're trying to offload other things, other probably more strategic thinking to certain departments. So that's the stuff they understand. And then they're having somebody else pull those reports for them, but they understand how the reports work. So it's like the level down, I think if you're offloading something, you should at least understand whatever that something is. And given the fact that we're basically talking entrepreneurs, that is you need to do everything in your company at that point because it is it is smaller organization does that sort of resonate i guess with you or have you seen that where people are just jumping way too fast they're just like it, we see it all the time in measurement oh we don't understand measurement you guys do it for us but if you don't understand measurement you're not going to use our products properly because you're we're going to give you a dashboard that you're not going to use still because you don't understand how it works so we try to when they hire us we try to first do a training on strategy here's how measurement works because we understand they don't think about it like we do yeah. um, and that's that's how it's helped we have with one of our brands yeah i think that the best business owners and this is part of being an entrepreneur right the best entrepreneurs are I mean, it literally it means making or trying to start something with incredible risk, right? That's I think that's what entrepreneurship means. And so you have to be able to take on a lot of the risk. And one of the ways you reduce risk is by reducing expenses. And that means that you have to do everything yourself. And so you're a curious person who wants to do everything yourself. And I think that's the sign of a great entrepreneur that can do that. And so I think there's an element of, of the the best know how to do every function in the business, just realize that they don't want to do it. So yeah, I think that there is a certain amount of like, I think that people get into business thinking that they can just outsource everything and not know the details They're either they get really lucky with an offer or they, they hit the market at the right point, but they're not necessarily a great business owner. So I think that you can be a good entrepreneur without being a good business owner and you can be a good business owner without being a good entrepreneur, exactly right? So right. The, the investor is a totally different yeah. role. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's an investor role. So that, that, a lot of it comes down to roles, but I think that ultimately um, the best, the best ones are, and, and I'm not, I don't include myself in the best tiers. They, they know the return on the investment of every little thing they're doing. And they quickly say, I want to learn this thing and then offload it as quickly as possible. I want to delegate this thing. So this book, buying your time back by Dan Martell, he's basically saying every quarter you need to do a time audit and sort of see where you're, where you're spending your time and then see what you can offload. So every quarter you can go through it and say, what am, where am I spending my time? Is this thing ready to hand over? And I think that's a good way, a good cadence and a good way to look at it is that you should probably not be spending years doing something that you shouldn't be doing. You should be able to hand it over every quarter that you should be doing something. That's the, that's the type of thing to look at. So if you're doing this thing and you've done it for, for 90 days, that's enough that you don't need to be doing it anymore. And that's enough that you've, that you've proven it out that you can then hand it over to a team member. And I think that's, that's a really good way to look at it. And, and I'm starting to implement that as well. Okay. So if I did this thing, we've been doing it for a year now, it means that I probably held on to it too long. And if I, if I hold on to it any longer, it, it actually gets in the way of doing other things. And that's whole, the whole point of buying your time back is that you want to do other things. Like I want to buy my time back to start other brands. I want to buy my time back in order to be an entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur is not farming, it's hunting, right? I want to be a hunter. I don't want to be a farmer. And so that's the right. thing is like buying your time back is basically giving somebody keys to the farm and saying, manage this land that I've built, right? Tend to it, right? Do the rules. Every year we have a certain, we have a harvest and stuff like that. That's what it is. Hunters, they're the ones who are out there. They don't know if they're going to eat that day. They don't know what's going on, right? So they're, they're the ones that are, that are going out there and taking on the risk and but if you have a farm to go back to, you know, you're going to eat. So that's how I, how I look at it is like, I want to go hunt. And if I, if I hunt and I kill something that is just, that's, that's like 
uh, extra protein at dinner, right? That doesn't, yep. it doesn't make or break everything. So that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah. And I forget, I forget the book that that came from, but that whole, uh, I really love that, uh, example of the hunter farmer. Cause the whole concept of that was like, as humanity evolved into farming, the brains changed, right? Yeah. Society changed and your brain actually changed, but there was what was it like 10% of society that that didn't happen. We don't have that. Gen we didn't inherit that generic part or generic, the, uh, the uh, genetic, um, individual parts. We don't have it in our DNA to farm. Our DNA is to hunt and we are 10% of society ish, ish, right? And this is how we exercise that hunting skill in the world of business. Cause that is our arena. And so the, the, I think, the, the reason I wanted to chat about that was because of that. And I know I made this mistake with starting out. You think everybody is like you. You think everybody sees the world the same way you do. And so when you go to hire team members, you're like, oh, they're going to get bored with this too, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, and it, and it took me a while to realize, A, that there were people who were they, not everybody wanted to do this. Even the farmers will talk about it and be like, oh, it'd be great to do that. And that's not really, you know, they're not actually doing it. So I know that they're just kind of seeing the green, grass is greener type stuff. But People really like farming and that's most people, right? That's, that's most people are farmers. And yeah. so it's actually better for you as a hunter. Like you said, you get to free up your time. It's better for them because they actually don't want to hunt um, coming through that, that stresses them out. They want somebody to come back and say, Hey, I just need you to process this thing, you know, where it used to be back in the day it was process this animal. And now it's process this data, right? Yeah. Do this thing, get this video processed for me, get these numbers processed for me if it's financial stuff. Um, and I, and I, I, too, I dramatically underestimated that appreciating the farmer, yeah. um, that they were there because I held on to it longer than I, than I should have, because I thought they were also, I was going to give it to somebody else who would also get bored. And I was like, well, I'm gonna have the same problem. So yeah. I'm like, no, actually there. And it surprised me. I remember feeling like, wow, there's people who like, the thing that I hate the most in life, they love the most in life. Yes. And I'm like, that's awesome. And now it's like the game is assemble the pieces to keep the machinery running and the brand growing now. And that's where you do level up, I think, as an entrepreneur. Um, and that's where the whole buying time thing comes back in, right? Because you start realizing, hey, I'm going to assemble a team. This team's going to do this. And then I'm going to you know, help the farmers and organize the farmers. And I have to go out there and bring in more business and all that other fun stuff. Um, and making sure that I'm not putting farmers in a position where they need to hunt, I think is the other issue too. Yeah. Don't put somebody in charge of revenue, for example, if they're just farmers, because they're they're going to process revenue coming in pretty well, but they're not going to be good at aggressively going out and grabbing it um, because that's just not in their DNA. So that, 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 uh, I love that hunter farmer, um, sort of analogy there, the metaphor. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is when you're talking, you know, in terms of buying your time back, like you said, I mean, the, in the nine, in the year 1900, 90 plus percent of, of the population lived in, on a farm and were right. considered agrarian, um, you know, so that that's like a crazy, you know, over 90%, um, the 10% that weren't doing that were probably the ones who are the entrepreneurial types. And so, yeah, you can't project your own entrepreneurship onto somebody else because they just, most people aren't entrepreneurs and, and, the, and they want to be farmers of their area. And so, yeah, they're out there. There's nine to one farmers to hunters, like you yeah. said, roughly. And so why not use it? And, and again, I think the same thing, I did the same thing. I projected my own desires onto people thinking that everybody wanted to be an entrepreneur, major mistake to do. Right. Um, so now 
but but now I'm at the point where it's like, how do I like I'm getting addicted to getting my time back? Like there's almost like an addiction to, hey, how do I keep on getting my time back? Um, how do what can I do? What can I what can I do to buy this back? And so I'm I'm, you know, another book that I just read is Who Not How. And basically it's the same concept as like who can do this for you versus you. So like I'm looking at um, you know, rather than doing video production or like video shooting myself, I'm I'm having my assistant research people who can be videographers and do that for me. Right. So how do I get B-roll? How do I get these things? How do I make it so that it's so like just all I have to do is push a button or show up and then the content gets created. Those are the types of things that I'm I'm focusing on now even more is is trying to find more ways to get the time back. And and it's working. I just took a week vacation. And I didn't answer my email. I didn't even open. I opened my computer for one hour just to do a check in call. And guess what? I didn't lose anything. I didn't feel stressed about it. I, I came back and I had near inbox zero because I put a system in place in order to handle my email. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of giving up my, my work email because it's nothing personal. I don't mix business and, and pleasure, right? But I knew that the books were running. I knew everything was happening. Revenue came in. It was truly like the, the dream that I had. And, and you know that's addicting. It's like, okay, well, I can do it for a week now. Could I do it for two weeks? Could I do it for a month? Could I do it for indefinitely if I wanted to? That's the type of that's what I that's how I feel about buying your time back. I I love that, and now I'm jealous. I really want to move that topic up about the EA. <laughs> I think we, yeah, let's do that. I, I let's, let's definitely, definitely do uh, that. Yeah, we'll I need that help up. with that. Yeah. I, I really and honestly, just just to prep you, what I want to talk about during that, and for everybody else that's kind of listening, be like, hey, we're going to talk about. I want to I want to hear how mentally you think about it. Yeah. Because I use a poor mental system. Obviously, my system spits out, ah, you got to hold on to this because you never know what's in there, you know, and mm -hmm. what somebody's going to say about something else. And do you really want them, you know, which honestly, if I look back at the facts, I don't have, there's no proof I have for any of that. It's a story I'm telling myself. So I would, and, and I think just having understanding of like how you believe about certain systems is going to help or hurt that system, you know, and it's yeah. a good a conversation around that as we, uh, as we wrap up this one. But I, yeah, I thought this was great. Awesome. So, so it's funny. I'll just, I'll just give a little dangler there is that I had to give up. I had to reach rock bottom mentally and be a, enough of a bottleneck that I admitted that I had to change. And then that was like, that was the key to it. Mercer. It was, it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was like, it was like a hard line. It's like you have no um, choice. Yeah, Honestly, and then, and, no, it's but, funny because yeah. in this evolution, I feel like that's probably what I did with the bookkeeper stuff. That's probably yeah. what I did with the video editing stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe it's just that's what you have to do is you yeah. have to you can't, you know, as much as we're talking about, oh, just, you know, no, you have to give it up. It's like sometimes, like you said, you have to hit your rock. And I even procrastinated and put it off to give it up. Yeah, I procrastinated. I put it off. And, and but honestly, like my team says to me, like, how do we live without this? Like, right. and that's 30 days into it. Right. So it, it is oh, an important thing. We're getting so much. And it, it's basically just look at it this way is if you have a to-do list and it's not a to-done list, somebody else can do that, can make it a to-done list. You can at least delegate to them. You can, you can spend one hour of your time and you can get eight hours of somebody else's time. Their eight hours will never be as good as yours, but that's not the point. The point isn't to have them be eight hours of Mercer for one hour of Mercer, right? It's that you're going to get the eight hours of things that you shouldn't be doing in, in there. So, I mean, that's, that's like, just to wrap this one up, buying your time back is ultimately a way of saying, how do I separate, um, the, 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 the manual work or the work that takes a while from the work that only I can do. And it's probably 
only about 10% of the things or to 20% are the things that only you can do. The rest of that you should be letting go of as quickly as possible. Even if it takes them longer, it's still less expensive than you doing it. And it's not just a hard cost. It's an opportunity cost. So if you right. don't do this, you're, you're maximum, you're, you're limiting your opportunity. I kept on going up against a ceiling, both in my time, my satisfaction and revenue. I kept on hitting this glass ceiling. And the only way that I bust through it was to change the tactics, to change the way that I was going about it. I was the reason why the ceiling was happening. I tried to blame the economy. I tried to blame this and that. I tried to blame too much competition. I tried to blame all these different things. But ultimately, I was the reason why I couldn't go through that. So I had to recoil, refuel, redo it in order to bash through that ceiling. And so that's what everybody can do. If you buy your time back, you will reach a new high and reach a new ceiling. Um, But you got to do it one pace at a time, one roll at a time, one function at a time. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's a great strategy. And and again, I think if nothing else, just for somebody listening to this going, yeah, okay, I get it. I start to recognize the pattern. And and, and that's it's an ever growing challenge. Like I'm recognizing the patterns I'm talking about it going, "Ah, I still have that. I'm just doing it this other level. So I definitely appreciate that. I love that. Awesome. Well, thanks for everybody for listening to this one, and we'll see you on our next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.